uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for all the people that's listening and chiming in. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. So I appreciate you doing that. Hopefully that way, if we can learn how to agree to disagree, and we can live like people. When I make the hard topics, I say the hard things, I make the thing itch scratch. So if your itch is not scratching, and you're scratching on the itch, maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror. So I'm not here for no drama. I'm not here for no nothing. Just to learn, 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 and edify. This is from learning situations only. So I'm not here to get anybody's hairs up. So, again, thank you. And hopefully we can agree to disagree. I studied the Bible so I know it well. Yeah, can't let nobody make myself a self. Can't even lie, yeah, I still struggle, but I know myself. I fear God, I told him I don't want to go to hell. Pray for the sermon, I'll be asking what's the gift in me. Must be this music, cause the world think I'm so sick with it. I switch my style, some people love it, some trying to get with it. I think what matters most is I'm living out what's God written. I make mistakes, but I embrace them, I'm still human. I escape from that place that made me feel ruined. So every day I still chase what I think I'm losing. And pray to God in the end that I don't look stupid. Why do I feel I'm unable, double-minded, I'm unstable? Wanna put all me on the table so God can make me an angel. Was living life like Cain, cause I was jealous of Abel. God told me, look up, child, I just want to save you. I need to hear your voice in life so I could get through this. For you, I shoot for the stars every time and I don't miss. Every time I drop a hit, I still don't feel the bliss. And deep down, I know it's only because I'm still living in sin. You transform my pen, they laughed at me, now I'm laughing with them. Transform my gifts, so now I can't even rap with them. I need to use my talents because the devil be distracting them. urging private sector partners to take immediate action to shore up their defenses against potential cyber attacks. We've previously warned about the potential for Russia to conduct cyber attacks against the United States, including as a, re as a response to the unprecedented economic costs that the U.S. and allies and partners impose in response to Russia's further invasion of Ukraine. Today, we are reiterating those warnings and we're doing so based on evolving threat intelligence that the Russian government is exploring options for potential cyber attacks on critical infrastructure in the United States. Urging private sector... Look, today my administration is issuing new warnings that based on evolving intelligence, Russia may be planning a cyber attack against us. As I said, the magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential and it's coming. The federal government is doing its part to get ready, but under U.S. law, as you all remember, the private sector, all of you, largely decides the protections that is, you will or will not take. But uh, look, today, my... See, I want y'all to listen to him very carefully, family. And when he talking about the private sectors, the little small business, the police business, the fire department, and the Amalabs, and all these other stuff. So he letting them know that some getting ready to jump off. But y'all sleeping, man. I'm going to keep on shaking y'all ass up until it's too late until I got to bounce. Listen to what he just said to the small fractor. He said, and do, and what he said, and do what you feel like is more important. And some up word. Check it out, man. 
I, I ain't want y'all to slip on this. Ready? But under U.S. law, as you all remember, the private sector, all of you, largely decides the protections that is, you will or will not take. But uh, look, today, my See, you got to look at them, man, how they playing this game on us, man. They getting ready to start stuff and all this, and they ain't really blowing it up like the COVID and all that. They ain't blowing it up how they blow COVID up, y'all. Y'all see this? How they blowing COVID up and everybody in this whole world know about COVID. But now... We get ready to let the public know that we can be able to uh, get things together and let the public be able to show you. But we'll come back with the public and let y'all know what the narrative is so that we can be able to be, uh, um, you know, be able to prepare ourselves for this mass slaughter. Police fired tear gas at supporters of Kenyan opposition leader Raila Odinga as they demonstrated in Nairobi on Monday in protest against the government and high food prices. Police had banned the demonstrations now in their second week. A witness that spoke to Reuters said some protesters threw stones at the police. One person was shot dead in the western city of Kisimu, said a hospital worker. Odinga, who lost to Ruto in last August's election and has accused him of cheating, has called for twice-weekly protests indefinitely, citing the high cost of staples such as maize flour, which has kept inflation high. Minister Netanyahu declared in Hebrew and English, we will not advance any law against the Christian community. Netanyahu's announcement allayed fears among Christians that a law proposed by two members of Netanyahu's coalition would become law. The proposed law states, anyone who persuades a person directly, digitally, by direct mail or online to convert his religion, his sentence is one year imprisonment. And if the person was a minor, his sentence is two years imprisonment. The scope of this effort seemed extremely broad. About as wide as you could possibly get, in fact, Chris. I mean, any, you know, just any anything you say which might be in, in favor of a certain religion could be construed, I suppose, as being an attempt to solicit someone. Where do you draw the line? The bill would have strengthened an existing law that makes it a crime to give anything of value to persuade anyone to change their religion, proselytizing to anyone under 18 years of age. Over a frozen Canadian prairie, Dr. Ryan Brook, a PhD, is on the hunt for so-called super pigs. A super pig is a hybrid between a, a European wild boar and a domestic pig. We get the benefits of having really thick, warm fur, long legs, big, long nose, razor-sharp tusks, but also large body size and very, very high reproductive output. Associate Professor Brook has been studying feral swine for the past 13 years. He's now sounding the alarm on a huge population of super pigs that have been running wild in the Saskatchewan wilderness for decades. 
the worst invasive large mammal on the planet. Associate Professor Brooks says Canadian pig farmers first bred super pigs in the 80s in an effort to increase pork production. He says when the pork market collapsed in 2001, hundreds escaped captivity. Wild pigs occupy over 700,000 square miles. You know, that's bigger than most countries. And that's a problem for the United States because we already have a massive feral pig problem of our own. There are at least 6 million feral pigs across 35 states, mostly in the South, according to the USDA. They do massive crop damage. The USDA says $2.5 billion per year just in crop damage alone. A couple of years ago, there was a woman in Texas that was actually killed by a group of wild pigs. On top of the agricultural and environmental damage they cause, feral swine are considered a breeding ground for diseases that can mutate and possibly infect humans too. Do you plan on opening a hate crime investigation for the targeting of Christians? The um, FBI and ATF are both uh, on the scene working with the um, uh, local police. Uh, as of now, motive hasn't been identified, and the police chief said at the last at his last press conference that they don't yet have reached a conclusion with respect to uh, motive. Uh, we are certainly working full-time with them to try and determine what the motive is, and of course motive is what determines whether it's a hate crime or not. The statement by Israeli Minister Smotrich that there is no Palestinian nation and that it was invented within the last 100 years is conclusive evidence of the extremist, racist, and Zionist ideology that drives the current Israeli government. It was uh, a very extremely controversial and many say inflammatory statement by Israel's finance minister, the head of the country's far-right religious Zionism party, who is also ironically in charge of the Palestinian affairs in the country's new government. Mr. Smotrich went as far as saying there is no such nation as Palestinians. There is no such thing as a Palestinian nation. There is no Palestinian history. There is no Palestinian language. Palestinian Prime Minister's reaction was quick, obviously, and furious. He accused Israel of racism and extremism. We are the ones who gave Palestine its name and the land its value and status. This land is ours. Israel is a colonial state established by settlers. It expanded like any other colony has done throughout history. But we have learned from history that colonialism will end. The will of our people is not shaken by fabricated claims from the falsifiers of history. Smotrich's statement came on the same day as Israeli and Palestinian delegations with the mediation of US, Jordan and Egypt held a security summit in Sharm el-Sheikh aimed at taking steps to ease boiling tensions on the ground. The situation in the region escalated recently dramatically with increasing casualties from both sides. Since the beginning of this year, at least 15 Israelis have been killed in terror attacks, including in East Jerusalem, as well as more than 80 Palestinians, mostly in IDF military raids in the north of the occupied West Bank. So tensions are really boiling on the ground, and the UN, US, EU all have repeatedly called on both sides to 
calm down and on Israel specifically to try to avoid uh, provocative actions such as settlement expansion or Palestinian houses demolition or strong words, provocative words. And of course, in this context of desperate international attempts to de-escalate the situation, Jordan and Egypt condemned Smotrich's claims. The Israeli minister's remarks deny the facts of history and geography and undermine the efforts aimed at achieving calm between the Palestinian and Israeli sides. When you think it can be any worse, it turns out that Smotrich, while giving his opinion on the Palestinians, was talking in front of a map of Greater Israel that included Jordan. The foreign ministry of the kingdom already reacted, describing this act as reckless incitement that violates the Jordanian-Israeli peace treaty and the international norms. The official Jerusalem had to be quick to withdraw and to calm the situation by saying that Israel recognizes Jordan's territorial integrity and nothing has changed in this position. The statements made by a minister in the Israeli government are racist, inflammatory and provocative. The release of these statements from a podium presenting an alleged map of Israel that includes the occupied Palestinian territories and includes the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. These are statements, positions and actions that are inflammatory, racist and reflect an exclusionary racist and extremist view. We have affirmed our condemnation, denunciation and rejection of this, and we have communicated with the international community to highlight the danger of such exclusionary, racist, inflammatory thought and its repercussions not only on the peace process, but also in terms of the message it sends about the danger of this extremist racist thought. There was already a reaction from Israel's Western allies. The EU foreign policy chief described the statement as unacceptable, disrespectful and counterproductive. I have to deplore this unacceptable comment. It is wrong. It is disrespectful. It is dangerous. It is counterproductive to say these kinds of things in a situation that is already very tense. Could you imagine if a Palestinian leader would have said the state of Israel does not exist? What would have been the reaction? I have to say that three weeks ago, Smotrich already drew international attention and international criticism after claiming that the Palestinian town of Hawara that had been suffering from a violent, brutal, deadly attack by Israeli settlers just a day before should be wiped out. He later publicly apologized and now he... Christian slave. Better put a damn jury on. The hell is this? Christian slave. Here we go. I put that damn jury on again. Christian slave. We need to bust upside the head with the mirror. Christian slave. Here's a picture in uh, Portugal. I want you to notice all the blacks here. You got these two blacks cooning for the Portuguese man and woman. Cooning, singing to them like they do in church. Okay, you got a Christian black here with the sign of the, uh, I always forget the name of this order. Order of Santiago. Santiago. That's this guy. Two blacks here walking around. 
black clothes on. You got Amalek over there. You got a black man being tortured during the Inquisition right here. You got black women all over the place. Let's look at all the black faces. They bust this young man upside the head. Let me see if I can focus that. With a stick and carrying him away. Look at all the black people here. With a Lisbon, that's Portugal. Slaves outnumber free Portuguese and anonymous entirely declared that the cities resemble games of chess with equal numbers of white and black people. Here's another one. Christian slave. They took our children. Christian slave. And you talking about racial reconciliation. What the hell is wrong with you? Christian slave. Christian slave. Christian slave. slave and they gave us forced baptism they forced our children to be uh, Christians following the white Christ white supremacy you need to be ashamed of yourselves mm. Christian slave Christian slave Christian slave. Christian slave. The image of the black and western art, volume two. This was published by Harvard. Okay. Harvard University Press, England. This book goes into heraldry, which is the coats and arms of kings, queens, knights, rulers, bishops. As you can see, these are black images during the Middle Ages. Okay? Black rulers. These are things they don't show you in school. They teach black history starting with slavery from more or less around um, 1619 all the way from there. Or not all the way, but from there. Never going before that where these images like we're showing here. Let's take a look. What year is that? 
Okay, 13, 16. Some of them even at 1276. Because we were ruling during that time period. Alright, take a look. Take a look. And where is this? This is number five. Let me zoom in a little closer. Five. Memorial bearings of Cologne, the holy kings, the bishop and his vassals. Okay? That's what number five is. What you're looking at here. Okay. Number six. Banners of Sardinia and Corsica associated with the arms of the king of Aragon. Let's take a look. You see that? A black man. Black men. Let's look at this one. Number seven. Heraldic Moors from the Universal Memorial of the uh, Gallery Herald, 1370. Let's take a look. Look. There's a sister right there. Another one over there. So what I'm showing you is that black people ruled during the Dark Ages. Now. Watch this. I, I, this is one I wanted to show you guys. This is uh, picture number nine. Right? Take a look. It's in black and white, but this one looks looks like I see Caucasian people, no color, and I see black people with bows and arrows. Black people in the castle. There's a lion attacking one of these uh, white guys with no pigment. Now, this is picture number nine. Let's see what it says. Number nine, wild men and moors tapestry. All it says is wild men and moors, okay? Y'all remember in a movie uh, or a series on HBO called Game of Thrones, there was a group of guys or wild people called the wildlings. This is where they got it from. Now, the colored image of this black and white, I'm going to show you. They have it right here on the next page. And it's in color. Look. Y'all see that? White folks, hairy, attacking black people who live in a castle. Y'all see this? Look at the top. Black people, black people, black people, black people. Black women, black women. There's a king right there. Archers and bowmen. Do y'all see this? Do you see this? Do your children see this? We were fighting for our lives to retain our homes, our castles, because we were the rulers. And white folks attacked us. See, it's in their spirit. A lot of y'all always want to know why do white people always attack us? It's in their spirit. From the book of Time of Genesis, 25, 25 on down, you can read about these people always attacking us. Okay? Now, what's funny about this, not even funny, it's sad. Remember, uh, this was figure nine, right? This is painting nine? Yeah, number nine. Let me see if I can find what it says about figure nine. Let me turn the page. Figure 
In the scene we're studying, the attack on the castle, not only is this distinction clearly marked, but wild men and blacks are set in real opposition to each other. See, here they call them wild men. Why don't you just say white people? See how they play with words? The black archers who come out in front of the drawbridge are, by their clothing and their beards, are the Saracen, meaning Muslims, type often represented in 14th century chronicles of the Crusades, like the other defenders posted on the ramparts or at the tops of the towers, they wear a bandeau on their forehead. The total effect is that of a troop of blacks, armed, organized, urban, small of stature. You see that? It's always some negatives with us in their books. Always. Let me just jump down. Three persons leaning out of the window of the keep. A crowned black king with a white beard. A black queen with blonde hair and a black princess whose arms are outstretched in a gesture of tearful pleading, okay? It's always negative when they write. And they won't even call themselves white people. They say wild people or wildlings like they do in the, the movie. Look at number 24 and 25. Let's take a look. Let's see what it says. Martyrdoms of St. Matthew and St. Maurice. Martyology. Prague, 1402. All right. So they're claiming that this is the martyrdom of St. Matthew here. They're saying that this is St. Matthew and these blacks are killing St. Matthew. Okay. Really, let's go down. Martyrdom of St. Maurice. What do y'all notice about this picture? I'm showing you how white people are evil. Take a good look. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to zoom in. Hopefully you're going to see it. Look at his face. And look at his hands. Look at his face. From what you can see, it's black. Look at his hands. The color's been taken out. This is what these, this is called iconoclasm. What white folks do is go into our records and change the color of the people to benefit them. This is what they do. Let me see if I can find a writing for number 26. Okay, figure 26. Mm. It is natural to find repeated allusions of the glory of Alexander in the work, but surprising to meet the Queen of Sheba there. Yet there she is, splendid as never before, graceful of posture, elegantly gowned, her hair luxuriant and blonde. Now we all know the Queen of Sheba did not have blonde hair. Okay, this uh, white folks, they always go in and touch things up, gotta change things, that's what they do. Right. 
Look at this. You got the knights in the back with armor, black men. take a look. Alright, you got a white guy in armor, but look, he has the shield of a black man's head. And this is a dragon. You can't make this stuff up. We're going to look at picture 222, excuse me, 223 and 224. Ma Monogramus PW playing cards, King and Knave in the Parrot series. Cologne about 1500. There's 224 and 223. Look at the black man on the horse, the Knave, and here's the Parrot series is talking about. Black man in armor on a horse. Armored horse. Black man in armor. There's a parrot. Parrot series. I'm showing you once again, black people ruled Europe. We were the warriors. We were the kings. We were the queens. Picture 225 I want to look at. Memorial bearings of the Dura family. 1523. Look. Black man. Is a date 1523 AD. Coat of arms. A black ruler. All right, brothers, all right, sisters, you saw it for yourself. Now, that was some good stuff. That's some good history, if I do say so myself. <laughs> remember, repetition is the key to mastery. Always remember that thing. Never forget your history. All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to examine today that there's a global racist agenda against God's black people. All right, I'm going to take you on a journey from Tunisia today. I'm going to take you to um, Israel, the land of Israel. I'm going to take you to America. I'm going to take you around the globe and show you, even in Ukraine, that's right, show you how people feel regarding God's melanated people. And I'll be right back with my commentary on the subject. ...are evacuating their citizens from Tunisia in response to President Kai Said's incendiary comments last week. The president claimed migration was a conspiracy to alter the country's demographic makeup and accused traders working for foreign countries of being behind it. In response to this, Officials have announced that Guinea and Ivory Coast will be bringing back hundreds of their nationals from Tunisia. According to Ivorian government spokesman Amadou Koulibaly on announcing the launch of repatriation efforts, the most urgent thing is to save lives, to prevent injuries. Welcome, this is Rain Smith and you're watching the new Africa channel. According to Koulibaly, Air Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast national carrier, has been assigned to assist in repatriating around 500 of its citizens. The process could be completed in the next 72 hours. In addition, 
A foreign ministry representative from Guinea has stated that the authorities have leased an airplane to bring back approximately 50 Guineans in Tunisia who have expressed their desire to return home. The president's office has also released a statement, stating that Foreign Minister Morisanda Kouyaté will travel to Tunisia on a government plane to offer urgent assistance to Guineans there. Following the president's remarks, social media has been flooded with reports of mob violence, with eyewitness accounts of crowds raiding migrant homes and forcefully evicting the residents. Moreover, Numerous private transport companies have reportedly denied ticket sales to individuals who are presumed to be undocumented. Meanwhile, numerous civil society organizations are frantically seeking shelter for the displaced individuals, indicating the severe humanitarian crisis that has emerged as a result of these events. In spite of this, masses of individuals poured to the streets of Tunisia's capital on Saturday to denounce the president's anti-migrant crackdown. Demonstrators carried signs, some written in English, expressing their solidarity with migrants and reaffirming Tunisia's place within Africa. They loudly chanted, no fear, no terror, the street belongs to the people, making their stance clear. One of the primary reasons for this mistreatment is the deeply ingrained racism and anti-blackness that exists within many North African societies. This manifests in several ways, including employment discrimination, housing segregation, and unequal access to education and healthcare. Black individuals are often viewed as second-class citizens and are subject to daily microaggressions and acts of prejudice. The implications of Said's remarks are deeply troubling, particularly given the already challenging situation faced by black refugees and migrants across North Africa. Such comments only serve to fuel anti-black sentiment and perpetuate harmful stereotypes, putting vulnerable individuals at even greater risk. While it's true that discrimination against black individuals is prevalent in North Africa, it's important to acknowledge that this issue isn't one-sided. In fact, some individuals in sub-Saharan Africa do not recognize Arab Africans as true Africans, thus perpetuating harmful divisions on the continent. How should the issue of migration in North Africa be addressed? And is North Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa too different to be united? For black and darker-skinned Africans living in Tunisia, racism can be found almost anywhere, even just taking the bus. I have been living in Tunisia for two years now. At the beginning, I faced many difficulties on public transportation and many racist insults, but I knew how to survive and integrate in the country. Now I have managed to have good relationships with Tunisians who even come and buy African products. There are widely different estimates of the number of people from other African countries living in Tunisia, ranging from 8,000 to 60,000. The Anti-Discrimination Network has registered 76 cases this year relating to racial abuse in nine districts in the country. But that number could be much higher as people are scared to speak out. I'm afraid to speak. They will attack me if they see me complaining. Two days ago, around 20 people came and attacked me in my shop with stones and sticks and damaged everything in the shop. There was no reason for that, it was just a racist act. 
I was attacked in the street by four young people. They pushed me and beat me. I called for help. Nobody came to save me. We really suffer here. Our children cannot go to school. Four years ago, a law was passed by a majority vote in parliament. The goal was to eliminate all forms of racial discrimination and to protect victims and punish perpetrators. But experts say in practice, the law doesn't offer enough protection. While raising awareness of the law will not necessarily reduce the potential for racist acts, the existence of the law does offer something. Migrants are a lot more reluctant to come forward for fear of deportation, so they often just have to grin and bear racism. The Africans are invading us. Everything is now becoming expensive. We can't find jobs because they work with low wages. They are everywhere and their situation is illegal. We are suffering from their presence in our country. And as the country's economic problems deepen, it appears the bigotry has gotten worse. Although Tunisia is one of the first countries in the world to abolish slavery and the first Arab country to establish a law criminalizing racial discrimination, racism is still rampant and embedded in all walks of life. Nadia Shawash, TRT World, Tunis. Hmm, maybe if we have the same Islamic religion as these Arabs, they will accept us. You worship a rock, we worship a rock. Kaaba stone. Let's see if they'll accept us. Hmm. Keep landing and arriving at airports in West Africa, delivering thousands of students who a week ago were, you know, studying in peace in Tunisia. So this is after the attacks that happened in Tunisia after the president of Tunisia called upon Tunisians to kick out, you know, black Africans. He called them sub-Saharan Africans because he said that there was a plot and he never said from who, but he said there was a plot to change the demography or the population of Tunisia from being purely Arabic to now being a mixed race or mixed ratio kind of society in Tunisia and not being purely Islamic. So he said that all sub-Saharan Africans, you know, referring to black Africans, some of them who have been in that country for more than two decades, others are recent migrants. He said that all of them were illegal migrants to that country because there was that attempt from unknown people who are trying to change the Tunisian demography from being purely Arabic and purely Islamic to now being a multiracial and having a larger portion of its population being black and Christian. So he said that these people need to be, you know, chased out, kicked out and sent back to where they came from. Tonight, hundreds of sub-Saharan African migrants have been attacked or made homeless in Tunisia after a racist presidential speech last week. Guinea sends a plane to repatriate some of its nationals and other countries are set to follow suit. And after his speech, you know, the attacks on black people started because it turns out a good number of Tunisians share the same sentiments as this president. So you understand. And when we talk about sub-Saharan Africans who are in that country, we are talking about people from Mali. A lot of them are from Mali, others are from Guinea, others are from Nigeria. And they are in that country as students, others are there to look for jobs. Others could be on transit to try to cross the Mediterranean and go to Europe. So all those groups are there. 
but he said that they need to be kicked out because there was a plot to repopulate the Tunisian population with black people. That is what he said. Even though, even the name Africa, you know, itself came from Tunisia because there was a group of people who were living in Tunisia before the Arabs invaded Tunisia and turned it into majority Arabic. Before they invaded in 700 AD when they were spreading Islam, there were people who were living there and this tribe were being referred to as the Ifri or the Afer or the Afri by the Romans. So the Romans would say the land of the Afer and that's what later came to be Africa in Latin meaning the land of the Afer people, Africa. So the name Africa itself came from Tunisia and there were these people who were living in Tunisia before the Muslims, the Arabs came in 700 AD. They came to spread Islam and majority of the people in Tunisia at the time, some of them were European by origin, the Carthaginians, the Palestinian, I think, and others are people from you know, Sub-Saharan Africa. Now these people is saying that they should not come back to Tunisia. These people is saying that they are trying to change the demography of Tunisia, even though their ancestors were the ones in Tunisia. So the Arabs came and, you know, they came in large numbers and they are now the majority. But now they say that they do not want to see the black people in Tunisia. So today we have a situation where a lot of countries in West Africa are sending rescue planes to Tunisia to try to rescue their people who are trapped there. I've seen videos, people, black people are not moving, are moving out of their houses today. They are not freely walking in the streets for fear of being attacked. It's that bad. It's xenophobic attacks on a different level. I was reading a story of um, an account from a man called Osman who has been living in Tunisia for the last 30 years, you know, three decades. And today he did not report to his work. So he has lost a job. And his landlord has given him an eviction notice. So he has given him and his family one week to, you know, leave his apartment, to evacuate. Because the landlord fears that his apartment might be touched by this gang of young, I don't know, Tunisians who are moving around looking for black people. So it's that bad and they're trying to hide it. I know, I know what you're thinking. Maybe if we have the same religion as white Jewish people, they will accept us. Let's see. From Israel's Jewish, Ethiopian minority and police clashed in Tel Aviv during an anti-racism protest on Monday. Police said 19 people have been arrested following the violence. The protesters, Israeli Jews of Ethiopian origin, were demonstrating against the closing of a case that they say is police brutality after a wire was found last month showing policemen sho uh, shoving and punching a black soldier in April. Tensions have been simmering since Israel's Attorney General decided not to prosecute the police officer court on tape. Thousands of Jews of Ethiopian origin live in Israel, many of them secretly airlifted into the country in 1984 and 1990. But their absorption into Israeli society has been difficult. Although they are Jewish, Ethiopian community members complain of racism, a lack of opportunity in Israeli society, endemic poverty and routine police harassment. We are here because we are hurting. We are here because there needs to be justice. There needs to be equality, equal rights as Jews. We are not strangers. 
With poverty and exploitation, a new nightmare unfolded. Minutes after the rally, a thousand Israelis rioted, attacking African homes and businesses. after the rally, a thousand Israelis rioted, attacking African homes and businesses and assaulting any African they found in the street. Here is footage shot by one of the participants in the riot, a supporter of Mikhail ben -Ari. Days later, Yulia Shmuelov Belkovich, at the time a legislator from the centrist opposition party, Kadima, called for Israelis who advocate for the Africans to be locked in prison camps alongside the asylum seekers. According to the Israeli Coalition Against Racism, incidents of racist incitement by Israeli public figures doubled in 2012. In many cases, the targets of their hateful invective were not Palestinians, but African migrants. Chief among those targeting the presence of Africans in Israel is a corps of hundreds of state-appointed rabbis, including some of the premier religious authorities in Israel, who issued a letter forbidding Jews from renting apartments to the African asylum seekers and any other non-Jews. With tens of thousands of non-Jewish African migrants living in Israel by 2010, Prime Minister Netanyahu warned that their presence increases the looming threat to the Jewish character of the state. שאנחנו משיגים את התוצאה הזאת. בחודש הקרוב אנחנו נשלים את בניית הגדר לאורך גבול סיני, ועכשיו אנחנו עוברים לשלב השני, וזה השלב של החזרת המסתננים שכבר נמצאים כאן. Maybe during times of war, if we just pray for them, these people will love us and accept us, even in Ukraine. I lied that I was pregnant to I was begging. The official literally looked me in my eye and said in his language, only Ukrainians, that's all. That if you are black, you should walk. If we went on social media, everybody was talking about how Africans were being treated in Ukraine as they fled this conflict. Man, these people left without taking the blacks. None of the blacks. Man. 
We are not allowing any blood to go to enter inside the gates. We are all here. It's only Ukrainians that they are allowing in. Even the ones with kids, they're not allowing them. What if you're black and Christian? You worship white Jesus like they worship white Jesus. Maybe they'll accept you then. Also, I want you to listen to how or what they say regarding black men that allow the black woman to lead them. This is how one US Border Patrol officer received Haitian migrants crossing the Rio Grande, coming back with food to a camp they've set up in Texas. This is why you cut your because you're using women for this. You go, go, that way. No, 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 no. We've got our families inside, dying of hunger. We've had to go out to buy food. You can see the tense scenes here. The Border Patrol are trying to stop people getting back into the camp after they went across to Mexico to get food, they say, because there isn't enough food for them actually there in the camp. There's more than 12,000 migrants, mostly Haitians, in the camp that sprung up in Del Rio, Texas, over the last two weeks. They want asylum, but US authorities are overwhelmed. This is just the latest flashpoint in a months-long surge of people illegally crossing the border and there's little in the camp for them. Sanitary products? There aren't any. Food? There isn't any either. They don't give you anything. We met Nicholas on the Mexican bank of the river, searching for food and medicine for his family. He hadn't realized until we asked him about it that US authorities are also now flying Haitians back home. There's planes now going to court people. What yep. do you think about that? What kills me about that is that everyone knows what we Haitians are going through. There's no president. Crime is high. Students can't go to school. There's no work. The economy is down. People can't put up with that. Deportation is not good for us. Like many others, he said he'd suffered to get this far on a journey through South America, past gangs and through a patch of jungle called the Darien Gap notorious for rape and robbery. It was really difficult. I saw a lot of us who died, he told me. Now he's touched ground in his promised land, the US, but it looks unlikely he'll be able to stay there. In the rush for food, we didn't see him make it back across the river into Texas. And by the afternoon, Mexican security forces were patrolling the river too. It was getting even tougher. Mexican authorities have opened the dam further upstream, which they do quite regularly. Uh, but it, all it means is that these people are now struggling even more to get across. The water's a lot deeper here. It's just another obstacle and another danger for them as they try and get into the United States. All right, brothers and sisters, you saw it for yourself. You saw it for yourself. I lie not. I'm giving you the truth. Now, you could close your eyes like a frog and make believe it. What you saw does not exist. You can make believe it was only one individual who has an issue, but not everybody, not a lot of people. You may believe if you want to, but here in Israel United in Christ, we're going to give you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Now, you saw the Arabs in Tunisia, how they got a hatred for our people. Even if you serve their false religion, 
Islam. You worship Barak, I worship Barak too. They say, I don't give a damn about that. Allah Akbar. They don't care. Can somebody tell the nation of Islam that? And hey, and somebody tell my brother Andrew Tate, because I heard, I heard, and I saw in video, he just started to follow Islam just before they locked him up. I pray the brother gets out. I do pray he gets out and repents and comes in, into this truth as an Israelite. Okay? All our brothers, even in the nation of Islam, that is the prayer. Come join us. Come join us. All right? Now, you also saw so-called Jewish people, how they hate our people. Even if you follow their false religion of Judaism, you Darwin, you hump a wall, I hump a wall. The hell is this? You got a box on your head, I got a box on my head too. They hate our people, okay? Our people say, well, we converted to Jewish. They go, we don't give, we don't give a damn about that. They don't love us. They don't love our people. The same, listen to this, the same thing the president of Tunisia said, the prime minister of Israel said, how uh, the illegal immigrants or migrants are terrorists. They're a threat to our society. They're trying to change our demographics. Listen, listen, Tunisia and Israel are originally two black countries. I hope everybody understand that. I hope everybody understands. Now let's go to Ukraine. You got a lot of you dumb black Christians. Oh, let's pray for Ukraine. Ukrainians hate your black lips. They wouldn't let black people get on a train or plane or automobile to escape the war. They had to walk. They didn't care if you was a woman and was pregnant. They didn't give a damn about that. They don't give a damn about that. President Putin of Russia told you Ukrainians were Nazis. Some of y'all, I saw brothers, a black man, go to the Ukraine to fight for them. Are you stupid? See, Christianity is a hell of a drug. It is worse than crack. And let's not forget about good old the United States of America. America hates us and won't let our Haitian brothers or sisters even enter the country. And I hope y'all peeped. When the women went first, what did the white man say? You got the nerve to let your women go first. All of you black men, listen good to what I'm about to say. All of you black men that allow the black woman to lead you, you a bunch of simps. You are simp and God can't you cannot use you. You are worthless. All you simps on YouTube, they're always the black woman is God. She's the queen. Shut your black lip. Do you realize we are the only people? That have black women as leaders and we get no respect. None. You don't see white society have women lead them. Chinese society. Um, uh, Arab society. Uh, Pakistan, India. They don't have women leading them as a nation or their families or their households. But the weak black man. The weak Latin man. The weak Native American Indian man let the women do all the talking and be out in front. That's why you get that's why we get disrespected. I'll put myself in that, but I don't that ain't running in my house or in the organization. We are an organized nation. So we're trying to get it right, brothers. We're trying to organize the people correctly. You women who want to be feminists, shut your black lips and sit down somewhere. You ain't leading nothing. God did not call you to lead the man. I hope y'all understand that. So now, let's get to Leviticus chapter 
chapter 26. I'm going to go there first. I'm going to start off with Leviticus 26. In the world, I stay tuned to the famous podcast. It's the hottest message out there. When I'm home, chilling, I'm always tuned in to fame. He has the hottest podcast out there. Oh, yes, very informative. When I'm home, chilling, I'm always tuned in to Fade. He has the hottest podcast out here. When I'm home, chilling the world, I stay tuned to the Fade podcast. It's the hottest message out there. slain before your enemies they that hate you shall reign over you and ye shall flee when none pursueth now you may say well I, I see it but I'm not sure listen these nations hate us the Arabs hate us so called Jewish people hate us the Ukrainians hate us America hates us I done showed you, and I didn't show you everybody. These are the ones that I that'll fit within the time frame. Okay, they that hate you shall rule over you. Let's go to Luke chapter one. Now, whether or not you believe that or not, don't mean a hill of beans. Watch this, Luke chapter one and verse seventy-one. That's where we go. Luke one seventy-one. Watch what it says. And it reads that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. See, that's the purpose of the coming Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming to save us from our enemies. But a lot of you, some of you right now as a, a Christian or Muslim, who are my enemies? Who are, Think about who's the ones that enslaved us, oppressed us, have oppresses us, colonized us. Just think. That's what Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68 is all about. The curses that would fall upon the 12 tribes of Israel 
uh, slavery, colonialism, oppression. That sums up the entire verse 15 through 68 of Deuteronomy 28. Okay, so Christ is coming to save us from that. Okay, now from there, let's talk about the Arabs first. I'm going to start with the Arabs. Because since that's what the video opened up with, let's go to the book of Nehemiah. The Arabs always had a plan or a plot against our people. And that's what you all need to understand. Now, listen, when the Bible talks about things, uh, nations as a whole, the Lord don't deal with the individual because that's what you dumb black people do. You'll find one Caucasian or one Arab that treats you nice and you put that spirit on the whole nation of them. No, au contraire, mon frère, au contraire, mon frère. You're wrong. That ain't what the Lord does, though. Watch this. Nehemiah chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 19. And it reads But when Sanbalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it. They laughed us to scorn. Now, these are three different nations. The Horonite, those, that's a Nilote. Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, that's the Japanese. And Geshem, the Arabian, that's an Ishmaelite, the Arabs. Heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us. Because Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls. Okay. And said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? So, this... I'm focusing on the Arab. That's who I'm focusing on. Now, when you read the Bible, there's many precepts that show you how the Lord had stirred up the Arabs against our people. Now, now let's look at the so-called uh, Jewish people. Ezekiel mm, 36 and verse 5. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Idumia. Now, when you look up Idumia, that's a Greek and Roman name for Edom, Esau, Edom. Those are the biblical names for all Caucasians. Okay, so let's read it again. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Idumia which have appointed my land into their possession. See that? They would steal the land. They did that in 1948. With the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds, because they stole the land despite knowing it did not belong to them, to cast it out for a prey. Now, when it says to cast it out for a prey, they cast the land out to their fellow Idumeans, their fellow Edomites, their fellow Caucasians, who came from Poland, Germany, Russia, and said, come, come, take some land, take it, take it, take it, and claim to be Jewish. That's what they did. That's what it means when it says, with despiteful minds, to cast it out for a prey. That's what they did. Now, watch this. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. Watch this. Deuteronomy 28. And we're going to read verse 64. And it reads, And the Lord shall scatter thee, talking about the Israelites, And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people, 
See that? Among all people, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. So I'll give you some examples of wood and stone gods. In Christianity, you have images of a Caucasian Jesus made of wood, made of stone. In Islam, they have stone images of called the Kaaba stone, wherein you have to make your hajj and kiss the rock. I hope everybody understands that, and that's in Mecca. Those are religions of idolatry, Christianity and Islam, two of the bloodiest religions who despise and hate our people. Verse 65, and among these nations shalt thou find no ease. You see, I showed you that just now. In Tunisia, they find no ease, okay? In the land of Israel, they find no ease, okay? In Ukraine, they find no ease. In the United States of America, our people find no ease. Verse 65 again. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee. And thou shalt fear day and night and shalt have none assurance of thy life. Y'all see that? In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even. You want the day to hurry up and go by. And at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. Y'all see that? All right, from there, let's go to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 1. Watch this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 1 to 3. And we're going to read about Christianity. Watch this. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some, some Israelites, shall depart from the faith, faith in the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Black Messiah, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You see that? Now this is going to explain Christianity, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Christianity has the Bible in their hand, but they keep no commandments. That's speaking lies and hypocrisy. Christianity has the Bible wherein it describes the Jews and Jesus Christ himself as having woolly hair, wool hair and skin like it burned in a furnace. They hate that. They despise that. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You can't fix them. You can't change them. Watch verse three. Forbidding to marry. What religion forbids the male priest to marry? That's right. Christianity, Roman Catholicism is the first branch. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. What religion commands you to abstain from meats on a holiday called Lent? They say you cannot have red meat. Christianity, Roman Catholicism. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now, what is the truth, you may ask? Psalms 119, verse 142 will explain the truth to one and all. Psalms 119. And it reads, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Y'all see that? I hope y'all see that. 
Now, let's go to Jeremiah 3, verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 2. I didn't forget about the uh, Muslim Arabs. I didn't forget about you. God didn't forget about you either. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 2. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou has not been lean with. It's talking about the Israelites. God is saying, look at the hills, the governments, and see where you have not been corrupted with. The word L-I-E-N means corrupted with. What corrupted us? He's going to explain. In the ways hast thou sat for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou, was, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. What did the Arabians do to us in the wilderness? Well, in the wilderness, in the deserts of Mecca, when they enslaved us from the east coast of Africa, okay, and the north parts of Africa, they forced us to become Muslim. They enslaved us and castrated many of us, thousands of us, and forced Islam on us. This is how you got the Muslims throughout Nigeria, Ghana, and various. That's how the Muslim religion began. Okay? It's a new religion. Remember, Islam came 600 years after, after Christ died and resurrected. I hope y'all understand that. It's a new, new religion on the earth. Okay? Let me, hold on, hold on. Let me, let, I got to show y'all something. About Christianity and Islam. Right, watch this. Come with me over to Deuteronomy 32 and verse 17. And it reads about this the prophecy about the Israelites. It says, I'll start at 16. They provoked him to jealousy, meaning we would provoke the most high to jealousy. With strange gods, with abominations, provoked they him to anger. They, the Israelites, our people, they sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. This is why I always tell you, Islam came 600 years after Christ died and resurrected. Christianity, under the guise of white supremacy, came about with the Renaissance era, which was about 13, 1400s, when they painted that new image of Jesus, that Caucasian image of Jesus. Those are new religions that came newly up that was forced on us through slavery and colonialism and oppression. I hope y'all understand that. Okay, now under slavery and colonialism, we lost our identity. Let me say it again. Under slavery and colonialism, we lost our identity. Okay, don't let I heard a Nigerian say, oh, we didn't go through what y'all went through. They might not have gone on slave ships, but did they suffer colonialism? You bet they did. Who named that area Nigeria? The white woman, a white British woman. Don't let our dumb people in Nigeria or any other African country fool you to make you believe they were not colonized. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Okay. Hey, I'm going to say this. Even Ethiopia, they're five years under Italy. Okay. It was a short time. Yes. But remember, Haley Selassie had to go over to Britain and beg the Queen of England to stop Mussolini. Don't let these people fool you that they're so almighty and powerful. Stop the lies. 
Just stop it. Now, where are we going now? Oh, I made a statement. I said, under slavery and colonialism, we lost our identity. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 37. This is one of the curses that would fall upon the Israelites. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb and a byword among all nations, whither the Lord shall lead thee. A proverb and a byword. A proverb is like being called nigger. Okay, Negro. Okay, then you got bywords being called outside your God-given name. African-American, Jamaican, okay, Haitian, Surinamese, uh, Panamanian, those are bywords. Uh, Ghanaian, Nigerian, yes, even Igbo and Yoruba, those are bywords, okay? Those are not the biblical names God gave us. Biafran, another byword. God did not give us those words. Those names, okay? Some, some of those names y'all made up yourselves. And think about, and think you're going to rule with the most high under those names you made up. That ain't happening. Get mad if you want. Stick your big black lip out if you want. I don't give a damn. I'm going to tell you the truth. From there, let's go to Isaiah 65. Because the issue is, you may say, well, some of our people who are suffering under slavery, like in Libya, colonialism throughout Africa, uh, oppression throughout the world They don't know that they're Israelites Well that's what I'm proving right now That they wouldn't know This is why we ask you brothers and sisters For financial help So that we can push this gospel Like it's never been taught And pushed before Okay Let's go to Isaiah 65 and verse 15 About the loss of our identity And it reads And ye shall leave your name For a curse unto my chosen For the Lord God shall slay thee and call his servants by another name. What are these another names? What are they? These bywords, these Gentile names. African-American, Haitian, Jamaican, Puerto Rican, Mexican. These are bywords. These are another names. Uh, uh, Congolese, Nigerian, Ghanaian, Liberian, Sierra Leones. Okay. Just for example, South Africans. Okay. And whatever little tribal names you got. That's what it means, verse 15 again. And you shall leave your name, meaning we would leave the names God gave upon us as Israel of the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, Levi, Ephraim, Manasseh, Gad, Reuben, Zebulon, Issachar, Naphtali. I hope y'all understand. We would leave those names for a curse unto my chosen. For the Lord God shall slay thee. We were killed under the Arabs and the white men, under Islam and Christianity, and call his servants by another name. This is why we go, these Gentile names we go by today. Okay, let's go to Psalms chapter 81. Psalms 83, I'm sorry. Psalms 83. And we're going to start at verse 3. And it reads about the other nations. Watch what it says, what the other nations would do. They, the other nations, they have taken crafty counsel against thy people. God's people are the 12 tribes of Israel. What are some of the crafty counsel? Slavery, colonialism, loss of identity, lack of education, poverty. That's crafty counsel. Okay, let's read it again. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. 
we're the hidden ones. The truth of who we are has been hidden to us and to many of the other nations of low degree. So what I mean by that is the scholars, the leaders of society, the elites, they know who we are. But the peon whites, the peon Arabs, for example, they don't know. They're clueless. And when you try it, when you show them in the Bible and with archaeology and historic evidence, their mind uh, implodes on itself. They can't receive it. Let's go to uh, Deuteronomy 32 again. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 26. And it reads, this is what the Lord said to Moses to tell us. I said, I would scatter them into corners. We were scattered to the four corners of the earth. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. This is why nobody, we don't know who we are. And many of the nations don't know who we are. The peons of the nations don't know who we are. That's Bible prophecy. So, I, and I want to say this. Anytime you hear white people say, how could you be the Israelites if you don't know who you are? They don't know the prophecy. That proves they're not who they claim to be. Okay. Now that, let's go to 2 Maccabees. 2 Maccabees chapter 6. Okay. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. 2 Maccabees chapter 6. And we are going to start at verse 6. And it reads, neither was it lawful for a man to keep Sabbath days or ancient feasts or to profess himself at all to be a Jew. Under the Greek captivity, they made laws outlawing it, outlawing us from calling ourselves Jews, Israelites. They made laws about that. Guess what? When the white man invaded Africa, that's right, I said it, they invaded Africa. When they us, enslaved us and colonized us, they made those same laws. That's why they forbid us to read and write. That's why they forbid, especially the Bible. Okay, let me jump down to verse 9. And whoso would not conform themselves to the manner of the Gentiles should be put to death. Then might a man have seen the present misery. So what happened at this time? The Jews, the black Jews, the Israelites, whoever would not conform themselves to the manner of the Gentiles, meaning we had to take on Greek names, Greek customs, Greek traditions, the Greek language, the Greek gods, the Greek religions. If we did not conform to that, they put us to death. That's the same thing America did. That's the same thing the Arabs did. This is why today we say, I'm African, I'm an African-American Christian. Our people say, I am a, a black or, or African Arab Muslim. This is what we do. And this is the history biblically of what would happen, what would occur. Listen, brothers, listen, sisters, we, the Bible prophesies we would be hated by all nations especially those that repent as Israel. So some of us, all of us, let's say all of our people hear the truth. It's only prophesied that a remnant of us will repent. Okay. Watch this in Romans three, Romans three, verse three. For what if some did not believe? What if some of our people don't believe that we are the 12 tribes of Israel? What if some of our people don't believe that Christ is the black Messiah, King of Kings and Lord of Lords? What if some of our people do not believe that? Let's read it again. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief 
make the faith of God, meaning make the prophecies of God without effect? God forbid. The answer is no. The prophecies are in still full effect. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. When it says let God be true, it means let this Bible be true. These are records. The Bible are ancient writings, ancient records. Okay. Let's read again verse 4. God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Why? Why are we justified? Because we didn't write these records. We're preaching and prophesying based on ancient records that our ancestors wrote through the inspiration of the almighty God. Okay? I hope y'all understand that. Okay? We give this. Let me tell y'all something. There's no credibility to these new black, uh, how do I want to call them, philosophers. I want y'all to think about it. Every great black philosopher that rose up with some uh, uh, plan to save black people, what happened when they were assassinated or died? The movement ended. I want you to think about Marcus Garvey. I want you to think about Martin Luther King. I want you to think about Malcolm X. I want you to think about Nelson Mandela. I want you to think about Thomas Sankara. People like that. Okay. Kwame Nkrumah. Hmm? Gaddafi. <laughs> now, I'm not through Gaddafi in there, but regardless, when they were taken out, what they believed in, it ended. The movement was virtually non-existent. Okay? But the Bible, the Word of God, listen, the elders that I had, Masha has passed away, Yaikwap has passed away, Arya is uncertain. Okay? But what happened? The words they taught were not their words. I'm going to say it again. The words they taught were not their words. These are God's words. The Bible is God's words. When I'm taken out, guess what? When I'm taken out or die, guess what? The words that I speak and preach are not my words. They're the words of God Almighty. Written down by our prophets, our ancestors from the beginning. So these words will always continue. I want y'all to understand that. Watch this. Let's go to Isaiah 13 and verse... Two, and it reads, here's a prophecy. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. The banner is the Bible. God is commanding us to lift that book up. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. The high mountain, the highest mountain, the highest government in the world is the United States of America. Babylon the Great. And he commands, it reads on, exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand. So this is why we exalt our voice when we teach. This is why we shake the hand. Because we're rebuking. We're correcting our people. Watch what it says. That they may go into the gates of the nobles. Now what does that mean? People are going to get so mad. Black and white. Black people are going to get mad because they want to assimilate. Into Caucasian society. American society. When it says go, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. They're going to their congressmen. Their senators. Their assemblymen. President saying, listen, we got to stop these Israelites. They're going to the ADL, the SPLC, who's going to them, the FBI, 
And they're not going to say, hey, let's stop the Israelites. They're going to create a clever scheme like, we got to stop any kind of anti-Semitic speech. Yes. If you speak against Caucasian Jewish people, yeah, that's hate speech. We got to shut it down. Also, let's throw in there critical race theory. Any kind of teaching about black history, it's offensive. We got to stop it. We got to shut it down. Why? Because eventually the Bible is going to come out as black history. We got to stop it from the, from the hooter to the tutor. It's all a game. It's all a scheme, a plot. Okay, watch this. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to read verse mm, 27. Matthew 10, 27. And it reads, this is Christ Christ speaking. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What does it mean when he tells us in darkness? The parables, the dark sayings. He wants us to speak it in light, meaning before everybody, explain it, what it means plainly. Let's read it again. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, meaning what I've told you secretly in your ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Preach it openly for everybody to hear, for everybody to understand. Now here's the repercussions of that, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body. Why does he say that? Because by us preaching and teaching the word of God plainly, people are going to hate us. The nations will hate us. Let's read verse 28 again. And fear not them which kill the body. They're going to kill us. But are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That hell there is the lake of fire. Okay, you better fear the most high. This is for you scaredy cat brothers. Okay, out there. Let's go to second Esdras. No, no, let's go to Matthew 24. I'm sorry. Matthew 24 and verse 9. And it reads, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. This is for the teachers, the preachers of Israel. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated. What's that word? Hated of all nations. Some nations, all nations. One nation, all nations. Highlight that, please. All nations for my name's sake. Y'all see that? Do y'all see that? And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. This is to you, brothers and sisters. When that persecution, affliction, hatred comes out, You're going to betray the laws of God. You're going to betray the son of God. We saw an example of that in 2018. That was a very small scale. It's going to be a large scale. That's the prophecy. Uh, Okay, so we're we're expecting it. Let's go to 2nd Ezra chapter 16 and verse 70. Watch this prophecy. Watch this prophecy. And it reads... For there shall be in every place and in the next cities a great insurrection upon those that fear the Lord. You see that? They shall be like madmen, sparing none, but still spoiling and destroying those that fear the Lord. See that? Those that fear the Lord, that teach and preach the Bible, that keep the commandments, there will be a great insurrection against 
men and women. I hope y'all understand that. I hope y'all understand that thing right there. Okay. Now, watch this. Mm, where do I want to go? Let's go to mm, Matthew, the 23rd chapter. And it reads, uh, verse 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues. What does it mean, scourge in your synagogues? Because black people ain't got no synagogues today. That's prophecy for today with under these Caucasian people that call themselves Jewish. They're going to scourge us in their synagogue. Then it says, and persecute them from city to city. Y'all see that? Do you see the prophecy? Okay, from there, let's go to John chapter 15 and verse 18. And this reads, this is what Christ says. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. This lets you know that Christ was a revolutionary. He was a nationalist about his black 12 tribes, black and brown 12 tribes. That's all he was about. This is why Rome hated him. This is why the scribes and Pharisees hated him. Why won't he assimilate to Roman society? He wasn't about assimilation. He was about the upliftment of his people. That's the same thing we do today. Now let's go to 2nd Ezra chapter 7 and 17. Watch this. Then answered I and said, O Lord, that bearest rule, thou hast ordained in thy law that the righteous should inherit these things, but that the ungodly should perish. See, ungodly of our people is destined to perish. Nevertheless, verse 18, nevertheless, the righteous shall suffer straight things and hope for the wide. We're gonna, we hope for New Jerusalem on earth. For they that have done wickedly, watch this, have suffered the straight things. So the, even the wicked of our people, they're gonna suffer the straight things too. And yet shall not see the wide, they shall not see New Jerusalem on earth. Y'all see that? Woo, that's a cold deal right there. From there, let's go to the book of Ephesians. So what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? Gather ourselves together. We got to come out of Islam. We got to come out of the Christian religion in all its various denominations. Come out. Okay, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4 and verse 3. Watch what it says. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What's the word that our people have never understood? Unity. U-N-I-T-Y. Wasn't there a song U-N-I-T-Y? We've never, we've never seen that. We've never understood that. But we are yet commanded, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, spirit of Christ as Israelites, keeping the commandments and the bond of peace. There must be peace amongst us. Watch this. There is one body, meaning one nation, and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Singleness of heart, unity, unity, unity. Not 
I'm a Muslim and you're a Christian and you're a Shiite and you're a Sunni and you are a, a Baptist and you are Catholic and you are Episcopal. We're Israelites. That's what unites us. As Israelites, we were given God's laws to keep. As Israelites, we have one king, one Lord, whom the world calls Jesus the Christ. I hope you'll understand that. Unity. Let's go to Psalms 133. Psalms 133. Get mad if you want. All I can do is give you the truth, whether you accept it or not. Psalms 133 verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In what? In unity. In what? Unity. U-N-I-T-Y. Unity. We've never understood that, but we're going to learn it now in these last days. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, also called Sirach, in the Apocrypha. Ecclesiasticus chapter 25 and verse 1. And it reads, In three things I was beautified and stood up beautiful both before God and men. The unity of brethren. Wow. The love of neighbors. A man and a wife that agree together. Do y'all see that right there? Unity. U-N-I-T-Y. U-N-I-T-Y. Unity of brethren. The love of neighbors. Okay, y'all see that? Our people must come together. A man and a wife that agree together. You sisters and brothers, y'all must agree that we are Israelites keeping the commandments. Woo! Let's go to Romans chapter 12. And let me see what verse I want. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. You see that? Some of you prefer Islam and the Arabs above your own people. Some of you prefer Caucasians and Christians and Jewish people above your own people. You know who you are. You know who you are. From there, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 reads, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are there unto called that ye should inherit a blessing. See, we got to come together as brothers, as sisters, as Israelites, keeping the commandments, having one king, one Lord. Whom the world calls Jesus the Christ, the black Messiah. I hope you'll understand that. First John chapter three, first John chapter three, and it reads first John three twenty three. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. You see that? I hope you'll understand that. Mm hmm. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Don't let these Muslims deceive you when they say they believe in the teachings of Christ. They don't believe. Okay, don't believe these Christians that say they believe in the teachings of Christ, the black Messiah. They don't believe. Okay, 
Zephaniah 2 and verse 1. Zephaniah chapter 2, 2, 2. Uh, and we're going to read verse 1. Gather yourselves together. Yea, gather together, O nation not desired. If you haven't figured out during this episode yet that we are a nation not desired, I can't help you. God can't help you. I've given you scripture. I've shown you evidence through uh, uh, through, top, through the news. And some of you right now still go, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't believe it. I don't accept it. I can't help you. God can't help you. Let's read it again. Gather yourselves together. That means unity. Unite. Gather yourselves together. Yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Do y'all see that? I hope y'all see that. Before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, meaning destruction. Before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you. Before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Before destruction comes, we must organize ourselves as the Israelites. Keep the commandments as Israelites. Serve and obey the one true king whom the world calls Jesus the Christ. Okay. Let's go to Jeremiah 25. Jeremiah 25. And where are we going to start? I think we're going to start at verse 15. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Listen good. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me. This is Jeremiah. Jeremiah represents the nation of Israel here. The prophets, the preachers, the teachers. Take the wine cup of this fury at my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it. Meaning Jeremiah is commanded to prophesy to the nations the cup of fury that God has for them. Watch this verse 16. And they shall drink and be moved and be mad. Be what? The nations are going to be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. War is coming, brothers. War is coming, sisters. Watch this. Let's read on. Uh, Verse 17. Then took I the cup at the Lord's hand and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord had sent me. Meaning what? He prophesied to all the nations. Verse 18. To wit, Jerusalem and the cities of Judah and the kings thereof and the princes thereof to make them a desolation. An astonishment, a hissing, and a curse as it is this day. So the first nation to drink the cup of the fury of the Lord was our people. The land is desolate of the 12 tribes of Israel. Those people over there right now, those are not the 12 tribes of Israel. The prophecy says we would drink the cup of the fury of the Lord and our land would be made desolate. Then watch what it says, verse 19. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and his servants, and his princes, and all his people, And all the mingled people, those are the mixed races, and all the kings of the land of Uz, and all the kings of the land of the Philistines, that's Palestine, and Ashkelon, this is in the land of Israel today, and Azar, and Ekron, this is in the land of Israel today, and a remnant of Ashdod, that's in the land of Israel today, Edom, that's the Caucasians that live in the land of Israel today, and scattered throughout Europe, and Moab, that's the Chinese, and the children of Ammon, that's the Japanese. And all the kings of Tyrus and all the kings of Zidon and the kings of the isles which are beyond the sea. Dedan and Timah and Buz and all that are in the other corners. Watch this. And all the kings of Arabia. The kings of who? Arabia. And all the kings of the mingled people that dwell in the desert. And all the kings of Zimri and all the kings of Elam. That's 
India and Pakistan and all the kings of the Medes, that's Iran, and all the kings of the north, that's the EU, okay, far and near, one with another, and all the kingdoms of the world, which are upon the face of the earth, and all the kings of Shishak shall drink after them. Therefore thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. The God of who? The God of Israel. Drink ye and be drunken, and spew and fall and rise no more. It's destined that all the nations that we just read, they are destined to fall. Because the sword which I will send among you, and it shall be, if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink, then thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, ye shall certainly drink. Verse 29, For lo, I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name. That's the land of Israel. Jerusalem is the city. And should ye be utterly unpunished? So he's saying, if God punished his chosen people, the 12 tribes of Israel first and foremost, should all these other nations, which includes Edom, the Caucasians, and the Arabs, which are the Ishmaelites, should they be unpunished? Ye shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword, that means war, upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith the Lord of hosts. I hope y'all see that. I hope you understand that. So with that, please wake up. Let's get to the reading of the shout out letter, shall we? This first one is from usually misunderstood. <laughs> Shalom, Bishop. All praises to the Most High. I hope all is well with you and your family. Bishop, thank you for all the work you and the brothers and sisters have done to improve the Israelite.org website. It was good before, but wow, it is so much better now. Shout out to Captain Zakar and Officer Yosef and the team. Uh, it was good before, but wow, it is so much better now. All the good... Hi, Holy Days, and info right there. We appreciate all the thoughts and work you all do. Bishop, please accept this small donation. Brothers and sisters, donate and keep the commandments, for we are one body and one spirit. Shalom to my friends till we meet again. Most high and Christ bless you all. Usually misunderstood. All praises. Thank you so much. This next letter reads, Shalom, Bishop Nathaniel. Hope all is well. Can't thank you enough for the priceless education that I am uh, receiving from IUIC. I pray you all stay safe and strengthen one another. Use the donation as you will. Thank you again. This is from McKnight. It only says McKnight, so I'm guessing it's a sister based on the style of handwriting. Very scripted. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the next letter reads, uh, Bishop Nathaniel, blessings, to our, blessings for our nation. Blessings for you and your household. We give thanks for the teachers on the corners and those going overseas to counsel those that are lost. Thanks to the Most High. Sister L. Pierce of the D.C. Camp. Shout out to the D.C. Camp. That's Officer Matt and Officer Mendel. All praises. All right, let's get to the next one. The next one reads, uh, Bishop Nathaniel, IUIC, greatly appreciate you not mentioning my name. I want to express my appreciation for what all the brethren do to teach the scriptures and raising up Israel. Please associate my arms with the Raleigh School. Okay, all praises. Thank you again for all you do. 
All right, all praises, all praises. Well, we want to give a shout out of thanks to Brother Isaiah, formerly known as Kevin. All praises. Shout out of thanks to Usually Misunderstood. All praises, all praises. Shout out of thanks to Brother Willis. Shout out of thanks to the House of Isaiah. Shout out of thanks to Sister Carolyn. Shout out of thanks to this is the one I didn't want them name mentioned. All praises. Shout out of thanks to uh, Lucretia I. Lucretia I. All praises. Shout out of thanks to Sister Leslie C S. Shout out of thanks to Brother Philip T. All praises. And shout out of thanks to Louise. E.P. of Arlington, Virginia. All praises. Well, brothers, well, sisters, today was a short one, but we give thanks and honors to the Most High Christ and you, brothers and sisters. We thank you because we couldn't do what we do without your continued support. So you know how I love to say, let's all of us stay healthy, let's stay faithful, let's stay focused, but most of all, let's all of us stay in the spirit. Most High in Christ, bless you all. Shalom. on Bad Boy Records of my ex-partner went by the name of P. Diddy Sean Combs right about now they're making a lot of movies and series about these type of guys how many of y'all such as myself grew up with no parents I watched people die I genuinely loved the Muslims when I said La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah that was the last day I smoked I learned a lot about how powerful the Muslims are literally went to go make Hajj when I got in the courtroom and realized that I was being implicated in a conspiracy that had nothing to do with me. The nine years I spent in prison, and I just got back. Get the warning, bro. Oh, salam alaikum, waikum salam. After a week, it's like, waikum salam. He don't know nothing about Shake Google. It been Twitter, El Instagrammy. That ain't his Shake. He don't know that guy. That's your Shake. Nah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. 
my dear brothers in Islam, as the brother mentioned, alhamdulillah, I go by the name of Amir Junaid Muhaddith, formerly known to many of y'all, some of y'all, maybe none of y'all. As Loom, I was formerly an artist on Bad Boy Records, and some of y'all, many of y'all, maybe none of y'all are aware of my ex-partner, went by the name of P. Diddy, Sean Combs, and a host of other names he possessed. As the brother mentioned, my intention and my purpose for visiting the UK and other parts of Europe, because this tour ends, inshallah, somewhere around the 9th or the 10th of March. And I took the effort only because I'm, I'm, I'm right now I'm, I'm extremely invested in the youth. I like for that to be known, understood. I'm invested in the youth and the future of the youth because I know what it's like. You know, growing up in the streets in New York, I grew up in an era where drugs, violence, and everything plagued my town, plagued my community. And we didn't have Islam as a defense. All we had was what we had. And enduring this lifestyle was not by choice. In most cases, it was by circumstance. So when you have situations that are circumstantial, it really doesn't leave you too many options. But unfortunately, in this day and time, many of the Muslims are falling into this lifestyle. And if you look at the environment surrounding the Muslims, a lot of these situations come from choice, not circumstance. Meaning that if I took a toll right now, or poll, by show of hands, how many of you brothers here are born Muslim? I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police can kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I got to ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? Cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't wanna hear the truth, try to act offended, shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even want to teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this. What's the peace to Marcus? Got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in the headlock.